The following message is from King's Cross Church in Manchester, New Hampshire. For more information, please visit us at kingscrossmanchester.com. Good morning. Good to be with you guys at King's Cross. Uh, like you said, my name is Rob Lauder. I'm the associate pastor over at Christ Community Church over in Ware. And everybody makes a Ware joke, so that's, that's yes, yes, for sure. Um, yeah, I've uh, been married to my wife, Sarah. 10 years last month, praise God. Uh, she's not here, my, my son Joseph has hand, foot, and mouth disease, so uh, he's getting better, but I uh, didn't want to be here. So my daughters, Grace and Rosa, are in the back. And um, yeah, as Jacob said, I've, I've gotten to know uh, your pastor Jacob for almost a year. And um, I, I just, he didn't know I was gonna do this. I just want to say, King's Cross, that you guys have a, a real gift in Jacob. Um, I, just getting to know him over the last year, um, he is somebody who really cares to think really well over God's word, which which is important, but also yeah, he's really somebody, when I spend time talking with him, it, he sounds like and has the heart of Jesus. And and that matters that all the things go together. So, uh, Jacob, I'm just really thankful for you, brother. And um, thankful to be with you guys this morning. So, turn with me in your Bibles uh, to Luke chapter 5. We're going to continue uh, on our way here through the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 5, we're going to be looking at shorter passage, verses 27 to 32 this morning. So Luke chapter 5, here's God's word for us this morning. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Pray and ask for the Lord's help this morning. Father, I thank you for your son and just the opportunity to uh, lift him up. I, I just pray that you would come now by your spirit, that you would help us to see Jesus and be changed by him. I pray that uh, you'd save those who don't know Jesus and you'd make us all be more like him. Just help me and help all of us, I pray. Amen. So, uh, first slide up here, I have a question. I want you guys to fill in the blank here. Okay. I'd never be caught dead eating a meal with blank. Can you think of type of person or maybe a specific person that you might have in mind? For, for me, uh, I, I moved here about a year ago from Kentucky, and in our old neighborhood in Kentucky, that would have been somebody like Brian. Brian was a guy a few houses down across the street. And uh, the way I kind of got introduced to Brian was um, he would come out uh, onto his porch, typically close to midnight, and just start yelling and screaming crazy things. And it was very easy uh, for some people in the neighborhood to think certain ways about him and maybe to have this sort of attitude. I wonder who that might be for you this morning. The reason I ask this question is because we see in this passage this morning Jesus eating with and enjoying friendship with people that he should not have been friends with. 
just that's the way that people would have seen it in that day. And the question is, how does Jesus want us interacting with these people, those people? I have the air quotes. And so here's, here's Luke's big idea. I want to just put that out on the front on the next slide. Luke wants us to join Jesus in his love and his friendship with sinners. He wants us to join him in the way that Jesus interacts with sinners. So he's going to show us three ways or give us three ways to join Jesus. First, we join Jesus by making the wrong friends. That's in verses 27 and 29. Second, we'll join Jesus by rejecting religious thinking. That's in verse 30. And finally, we'll join Jesus by living in the missional tension. That's what I'm calling the missional tension with Jesus in verses 31 and 32. Think about how do we join Jesus in his disposition toward those outside of, of uh, the church. So first, we join Jesus by making the wrong friends. So we see that Jesus sees this guy who's a tax collector named Levi. Now that, that doesn't really strike us as shocking or what in the world, why is Jesus doing that? But it would have to the Jewish hearers, the original hearers. Why was it such a scandal? Well, just, just by way of refresher, maybe you don't know what a tax collector is, right? We don't, this isn't like an IRS person now. Right? They were collecting taxes, not for Israel, but for Rome, right? the, the oppressing power in that day. So not only was this person working for Rome by choice, right? like they chose this occupation, but they also were, were notorious back then for stealing money from their own people. So if, if you owed Rome, say, $5, they would actually charge you 15 right? pass the five along and take the 10 for themselves, and they would get rich off of ripping people off. Right, so these people were despised. They were hated by their own people. Right? So, so this was a scandal. And not only, Jesus would call one of these people to be his disciples. Right? This, is, this is really shocking. But not just calling. Right? He goes on to actually say that he went and ate a meal full of tax collectors. Which is really a big deal because in that culture, see on the next slide, eating a meal means friendship. There's something about, in that culture particularly, when you enjoy a meal across the table, that's a sign of friendship, relationship. So Jesus at this meal full of tax collectors means that Jesus is friends with what everybody would call bad people. Right? He was not just friendly, he was friends with them. He, he wanted to hang out with them, spend time with them. And so that, that just leads me to ask a question this morning to all of us. Right? Do you seek friendship only within the church? And I say only, right? Obviously, the Bible says that as Christians, we should have friends here. I hope you have friends here at this church. But it's very easy, isn't it, just to make friends with people who think like us, who might sound like us, say the same words as us. But if we want to be like Jesus, and if you're a Christian this morning, I know you want to be like Jesus. This story shows us that being like Jesus means that we actually pursue friendships with those who don't know Jesus. Those people who don't trust God, who, who don't live like we live. And, and that's how, you know, it wasn't just Jesus. Levi and the other disciples made friends with these people, right? Because when the Pharisees complain, we'll see that in a little bit, they, they go to the disciples and say, why do you eat with sinners and Tax collectors. Part of following Jesus means that we, like Jesus, 
make friends with what people call the wrong people. So for me, with, with my neighbor Brian, this, this started by me just going out one night and trying to engage with him in the middle of his yelling. Actually, that was able to talk with me for a bit and found out when his birthday was, dropped off some cookies on his porch, and um, eventually, over time, trying to talk with him more, had him over for a meal with church friends, nothing crazy, but trying to just get to know him, get to know his story. Do you seek friends only within the church, or do you seek, like Jesus, to pursue those in maybe your workplace, your family, maybe your friends that you don't know, or they don't know Jesus? So we join Jesus first by making the wrong friends, but secondly, we, we join Jesus in his love and friendship to sinners by rejecting religious thinking. Notice in the story who it is that has a real problem with Jesus. Right? If, you, if you look at verse 30, it's the Pharisees and their scribes that grumble. It's not, right? It, this kind of should surprise us. I think we get used to the Pharisees being like the bad guys in the story, right? But these are the people who actually believe God's word. Right? These are religious people, people that would fit in, so to speak, in a church context. Right? It's, it's religious people that have issues with the way that Jesus lives his life. Now, again, I want to stress, the Pharisees are the people that really try to believe God and hold on to God's word throughout all the years, especially between the Old Testament and the time of Jesus. These were the people that were trying to be faithful, trying to be obedient, right? They cared when other people seemingly didn't care. But why did they respond with grumbling, right? These people that knew the Bible, that cared about holiness, why did they grumble when they saw this? Well, the, the problem was this. The Pharisees, they judged people by type or by group, not as individuals. They, they, they saw a type of person or a group of people when they saw Levi. And, and really, regardless of if you're a Christian or not this morning, that's a pretty easy thing to do, isn't it? We do this all the time. Um, when I, I, I grew up, uh, my dad, being a godly man that he was, uh, he taught me from a very young age to say, uh, go Eagles, Dallas stinks, right? Philadelphia Eagles, my dad's from Philadelphia. Um, so if, if you don't know, Philadelphia Eagles and Dallas Cowboys are like arch rivals. They're the, and so you just, you don't like people who are Cowboys fans. You just don't do that. Um, that's a silly example, but, right, it's, it's easy to do this today. I mean, I think the easiest thing would just generally be just in the political world, right? It's like whatever political ideas you have, whoever has the opposite ones are just bad people. And we just don't love them. We don't hang out with them. We don't agree with them, right? It's, it's very easy just to think about the other side that way. But, beloved, that's not how Jesus dealt with people, right? Jesus, and this is so simple, but this is really amazing. Jesus saw people, individual people, right? We see this at the beginning of the story. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi. He saw Levi and this whole crowd of people, and he called him. There's another story a couple chapters later in Luke. I'm excited for you guys to get to see it. In Luke 7, Jesus gets invited over to a Pharisee's house named Simon. And in the middle of this meal, this woman, who Luke says is a woman of the city, comes up to him and starts touching his feet. And, and, and the Pharisees are, are really offended. And Jesus is amazing. He's speaking to the Pharisee, but he looks at this woman. And he says, do you see this woman? 
that's a really like powerful question, right? The Pharisees saw, they saw uh, sin, they saw temptation, they saw this kind of woman. Jesus saw the woman. He saw her. And I wonder if you see people the way that Jesus sees people. Right? The, the alternative is in, in some ways a lot simpler. Just to think of a person in a, in a category or a box. Right? This happened, this happened with my, my neighbor Brian. My, my neighbor across the street, Terry, I remember when Brian came out and he was yelling one night before I introduced myself to Brian, I, I texted my neighbor Terry, hey Terry, do you know what's going on with him? He said, yeah, his name is Brian and uh, you know, he's, he's probably just somebody on drugs and you know, I just feel bad for the guy. But that was kind of it. He just kind of put him in a box and felt bad for him, but as far as I know, he never engaged with him, he never cared to know him, meet his, meet his needs or anything like that. He just kind of had him in a category and moved on. Beloved, to be like Jesus means we, we cannot reduce a person to a category, right? Even if, if that category might be accurate to the way they think or the way they live, there's a, there's a story and there's a dignity and value to people that uh, is worth uncovering by relationship. So, so we must reject this religious thinking in terms of categories and, and give people the dignity of getting to engage them as individuals. To get to know them and to love them as Jesus loves them. So how do you think and feel toward those people? Finally, we, we can join Jesus by living in what I call the missional tension with Jesus. I love how Jesus responds. Just, just watching Jesus respond is amazing. When they bring this judgment against these people, Jesus answers in verse 31. He says, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Notice when Jesus wants to respond, he, he gives them a little bit of a story. He gives them an image. Somebody who is sick. Right? Why, Jesus, why are you with these people? Well, where does a doctor need to be? With sick people. Right? It makes sense that doctors don't just hang out with healthy people all day. Their job is to care for those who need help. And so Jesus shows his mindset. Uh, go back a slide. His mindset is a doctor among patients. Now this helps because a doctor has compassion on those who are sick, right? If there's anybody here in the medical field, or if you know anybody in the medical field, right, you ask them, like, why did you go into, like, medicine? Most of the time, some sort of answer is like, well, because I wanted to help people, or I wanted to do good, right? There's a sense of, I, I feel for people in need, and I want to move toward them and help them. And that's Jesus' heart. That's his mindset, is these people need my help, and that's why I'm here. But then also notice his mission. You can give Jesus a mission statement. Luke has several of these, but this is a really good one. Verse 32, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So that's, that's Jesus' aim. He didn't come for people who think that they're fine. He came for people who know their need. And notice he says, to call sinners to repentance. Now Jesus used this word uh, a number of weeks ago. I'm sure Jacob unpacked this a little bit. To repent means to change your mind. And so with that, it's not just like a simple change of mind. It's really you know, changing everything about how you think and feel, the way that you live in the world. I love when Jesus wants to describe repentance. He tells a story about a lost son who comes home. 
And so repentance means to, to turn around and to come home to God through Jesus. It's a beautiful thing. That's what Jesus is aiming for. But I think this, this can create a little bit, at times, I'm sure for Jesus and certainly for us, a bit of a, a tension, right? H- how do we, how do we walk with both of these things? And I guess maybe the question I should ask first is, do you guys share, do we share both the mindset and the mission of Jesus? Do we think, man, these people, the people I'm engaging with, this person here, they need Jesus. And I want to, I want to get them to Jesus. That I, I want to somehow seek for their repentance, for them to come home to God through Jesus. But I think that can create a tension because does it, it takes wisdom to say, okay, how can I be a real friend and seek repentance at the same time? Right? Notice when Jesus goes to this party, he doesn't like immediately get to the party and then stand up on a soapbox and start preaching. Right? Jesus is a preacher, but at the party he's not preaching. He's at the party, right? And he's not like at the party just like roasting everybody and telling people how bad they are. He's like asking, hey, pass the bread, pass the wine. So it takes wisdom to know when do we engage just in loving friendship and and when do we turn in the midst of that friendship to speak about Jesus, to ask questions, to press, to, to, to aim for repentance. On the one hand, we can just aim for friendship and never use the friendship, or never in the midst of friendship, I should say, seek for person's salvation. On the other hand, we can use the friendship just as a means to an end, and people become spiritual projects. It takes wisdom to know how do we walk in the midst of that. And so really, this is an invitation to share the tension and the controversy of following Jesus in the friendship of sinners. I say controversy because... Friends, if you pull this off, if we do this the way Jesus does, the reality is there are going to be people who don't understand. Right? To do what Jesus does means you'll probably receive the same criticism that Jesus did. Right? And if you're somebody like me, I, I hate criticism. I hate, I'm a people pleaser by nature. And so that's, that rubs me the wrong way. But, friends, that's what will cost us if we follow Jesus. There will be some people who think, why are you here? Why are, do you hang out with these people? And probably if you hear that in the midst of loving people and trying to bring them to Jesus, you're doing the right thing. So the week before I moved here about a year ago, uh, I, I tried to have breakfast with my, uh, my neighbor Brian one more time. And um, it's interesting, it almost didn't happen. God really, it's a longer story about how God kind of miraculously answered prayer um, for him and I to, to meet. But, but couple days before we leave, we, we end up at Denny's, uh, sitting across the table from each other, eating breakfast, and getting to hear a little bit of his story, um, talking to him about Jesus, and asking him, you know, Brian, after sharing the gospel, what, what would keep you from, from trusting in Jesus? And he said, nothing. And, and there he said it like he, he professed that he wanted to trust and follow Jesus. And it's this, this beautiful story of, of really over a year plus time of conversations and a lot of prayer and feeling like, is God ever going to move here and trying to do what I can and now hearing him confess that he wants to trust and follow Jesus. And I wonder what kind of story God would want to write in your life with the people around you. Who, who are those people outside of, uh, outside of the church that, that need to know the love and friendship of Jesus? 
Who, who might those people be in the family, in the neighborhood, your coworkers? Who are those people that are far, far, for some people's mind, away from God that, that need to come home to God? Seeing throughout that, I want to encourage you, just, just somebody observing just very basically from a distance, I'm encouraged that this seems to very much be at the heart of who you guys are as a church. And so I just want to just call you to continue in God's grace here to love those that the world might put on the outside, and to show the love and the friendship of Jesus to those around you. So I want to just close by encouraging all of us uh, toward three ways we can pray this week moving forward. Um, I'm just convinced that um, we, more than anything, just individually and corporately, we need to pray. We need God's help to do what God is calling us to do. And so I want to just give you three prayers uh, that we can all pray this week. Number one, um, just to pray for opportunity to befriend those people. When, when we see people, whatever context it might be, how can we be good friends to them? How can we show them love and hospitality? Secondly, um, for eyes to see individuals like Jesus does. Like how, how can we, we, we need God's help, I know this, to see our kids, to see neighbors, to see people the way that Jesus does. And finally, we need wisdom on how to seek repentance. It, it, it calls for a lot of wisdom to know how to navigate relationships, but by God's grace, as we have these opportunities, as we see people the way Jesus does, as we walk in this tension, may, may the love of Jesus spread to all those who don't know him. And, and maybe I'll just end with this. If, if there's any of you here this morning that don't know Jesus, uh, maybe you've been around church, but Jesus is not your Savior, you've not um, given your life over to him, this passage is extremely good news. Jesus says he has come as a doctor, as a physician. And that's really good news because what he's saying is, I am here to help in all the ways that you need healing. Right? Jesus is not standing over you in judgment with a scowl. It's very easy to think of Jesus that way. But Jesus sympathizes with our weakness and actually longs for those who don't know him to come to him and be saved. If that's you this morning, come to Jesus. He, he longs for those who don't know him to find healing, to find friendship, to find the love that we crave and desire. Jesus comes to heal and what's amazing is Jesus doesn't heal by just giving some medicine like a doctor. Right? The way that Jesus heals is actually by taking the sickness of sin on himself on the cross. This is what we're singing about this morning. This is the good news of Jesus, that he came and took our sin upon himself that we might have eternal life instead. And that's an amazing gift given freely by Jesus to all who would receive it this morning. So may we be people that have the heart of Jesus. And may this city and those around us know his love and his heart and his friendship this week. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would work uh, in us and through us that many would see and feel the love of Jesus this week. Jesus, thank you for your love and your care for sinners, for us. I pray that we would walk with you in these ways this week.
Thank you for listening to this message from King's Cross Church in Manchester, New Hampshire. Please feel free to share or distribute this content, but do not charge for it or alter the content in any way without permission. King's Cross Church exists to treasure, proclaim, and grow in the gospel of Jesus Christ. To find out more about King's Cross Church, please visit us at kingscrossmanchester.com.